You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. In your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to have a look at verse 13. You know, this morning we, we focus on, on children and we focus on the child that is, that is Christ. But we are all children of God. Every single one of us. If you believe in your heart that Jesus has saved you, you are a child of God. So what I want to do is I want to look through a few verses here and, and break them open and let's see what God has to say. So in verse 13 it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, I am the firstborn of three. And for some reason, I got it in my head that because I was the firstborn, I would get a larger portion of the inheritance. (laughs) I I don't know why, but it's just, it was my right as a firstborn. I would get a larger amount of the inheritance. And then dad decided to burst my bubble and said, well, we're not going to leave you anything anyway, so don't worry about it. (laughs) I remember I saw a caravan once. It was this huge, one of those huge motorhomes. On the back was a sticker. It said, spending the kid's inheritance. (laughs) I have a feeling dad saw that sticker. (laughs) Oh, well. Anyway, back in the Jewish tradition, back in the days, if you had two sons... That's how it kind of worked. So two-thirds of that portion of inheritance would go to the firstborn, and the secondborn would get one-third. But in the same time back then, in the Roman tradition, it was divided equally. There was an equal portion given, including to adopted children. Every child would get an equal portion of the inheritance. Now, I've got a cousin, and... She was adopted into our family as a baby. Uh, as, so my uncle, when he worked in the Philippines, he was an engineer, and he adopted a baby from the Philippines, and she is now a part of our family. So as far as we're concerned, she is 100% of Erwot, which is my last name. She has our last name. She is a part of the family, 100%. She eats what we eat. She talks how we talk. There's no doubt about it. She's 100% part of our family. But something that she doesn't share with us is our DNA. She doesn't have that stubborn Dutch blood that runs through my veins. She has someone else's blood. So some people would say that's a great thing. I know she would. But she is still 100% part of our family. But through our faith in Christ, we've also become adopted. We become adopted into the family of God and become children of God. But we have a change in our spiritual DNA. 
We have the Holy Spirit in us and we now have royal blood. In verse 16, it says that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. But what does it mean to be God's children? How do we know that we are God's children? I want you to think about it for a minute. There's not a lot of people who wouldn't think that it's pretty cool if Queen Elizabeth came and said, I want you to become part of the royal family. We start thinking about it and you go, cars, money, people making my dinner, washing my clothes. You're, you're famous, basically. There's not a lot of people that wouldn't go, it's fine, I'm, I'm happy, it's good. You would kind of think about it and go, you know what, that'd be pretty cool. If we're all being honest, that would be pretty cool. I want you to imagine no more. You have been adopted into the family of the king of kings. This is one of the greatest truths that the Bible tells us about that I think we really struggle to fathom sometimes. As a child of God, we are now in right standing with God. God sees us as equal with Jesus. Wait a minute, that can't be right. It's Jesus, us. No. In verse 17, it says we are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. The Bible doesn't mix words. It's so powerful um, in what it says. But not all people are children of God. All people are God's creation, but not all people are children of God. So how do we become children of God? When we're saved, we're adopted, but we're also given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. It bears witness to the fact that we are children of God. So if we have a look back in verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So that for in verse 14 is very important, F-O-R. Because it tells us how that verse 13 is linked into 14. And so it says, so if we are living according to the flesh, this means that we're living a sinful life. We're not living in Christ. We're making zero effort to work on our sin. We love our sinful nature. And because of that, we will die. And with that death, it means that we will perish. So we'll go beyond that physical death in this life and we'll die in the next. That's what it's talking about by living that sinful life. But if by the Spirit we work to execute or kill or put to death our sinful nature, we will live. And the live it's talking about is not the live in this life. It's talking about the live in the next And here's where the four in verse 14 is important because it's talking about the preceding verse. It says, For those led by the Spirit are the children of God. So what is it talking about being led by the Spirit in this? Does it mean that it's talking about our daily promptings of the Holy Spirit, like talking to a stranger, getting that prompting or anything like that? No. 
your status as a child of God is not defined by the prompting of the Holy Spirit in this context. So if we look again in verse 13, it says, If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. So if you hate your sin and you are actively trying to execute it, not execute as in do, but execute as in kill, then you are being led by the Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that makes you hate your sinful nature. And therefore, we have evidence that we are children of God. I don't want anyone to miss this this morning. If you hate your sinful nature, if you, whenever you sin, you go, oh, I wish I didn't do that. That is the Holy Spirit working in you. The Holy Spirit is partnered with you to wage a war on your sin. I don't want anyone to miss that this morning. So if you put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And they don't die. They live for all eternity. And what does leading mean? It means being led into war with your sin. So let's read it again, knowing what we know now. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. So if you go to war on your sin with the Holy Spirit, you will live. For those who are led by the Holy Spirit to wage war on their sin are led by the Spirit of God and are children of God. You know, it doesn't say by what success rate you're achieving either. It doesn't say for those who have got it all together, who've waged war on their sin and they are living a completely holy life, they are children of God. It doesn't say that at all. When it's talking about it, it's talking in present tense. So those are putting to death their sinful nature. I love it when Paul said to Timothy, I am the chief of sinners. It's so amazing that Paul would say that I am the chief of sinners. And the only way that he could have come to that conclusion was through the Holy Spirit. There's a war that wages on inside of us. And it's our sinful nature versus the Holy Spirit. And he's there to help you because you are a child of God. Every single one of us. says that the Holy Spirit or the Spirit testifies with our spirit. That is the testimony of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is standing in the corner. If you can imagine a courtroom, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness. So what does a witness do? They give an account. They give a professional opinion, if you will. So the Holy Spirit is standing in your corner saying, Damo is a child of God. Yes. Neil, he's a child of God. The Holy Spirit is there witnessing on your behalf. You are a child of God. That's an amazing thing. And I don't want us to miss that this morning. We have the Holy Spirit in our corner, backing us, saying you are a child of God. 
in front of everyone. Verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit that we've received keeps us from a life of fear. We don't have to live in fear again. It says again in the text. So again meaning that we were living in fear before the Holy Spirit. Rather, the Spirit brought about our adoption and by him, and we, by which we can call him Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word. So for anyone who doesn't know, Abba is an Aramaic word, and the closest translation that can be brought about as to what that actually means is the word Daddy. And it doesn't just say Father in the text. It says Abba, Father. So it's this beautiful way that Paul is is connecting this intimate relationship between us and God, the son or daughter to the father, by saying, Abba, Father, Dad. It's an amazing little verse, and I love it. It just shows that intimacy. When you were a kid and someone was giving you trouble, like a neighborhood bully, older brother, sister, probably sister for Patrick, No, you don't have one. That's surprising. But did you ever say, I'm going to tell dad. I'm going to tell dad. Or were you just getting picked on by your brother or sister and you just yelled out, dad. I'm sure, who's a parent here that's heard that today? (laughs) Yep. There's quite a few hands. It happens a lot. All right. But you know what? There was a level of comfort knowing that your dad was in your corner and he was on your side. You knew that if your dad found out that there was a bully in the street picking on you, all you had to do was go to dad and he'd sort it out. It was good. So now that we've been made children of God, we now have the ability to cry out to our daddy, our Father, and say, God, I need you. God, I'm weak. I'm struggling. I need you. Dad, I need you. The same as when a child calls out to Dad if they get stuck. Dad, I need you. It's the same relationship that we now have because of our faith in Jesus that we can call him Dad. That intimate relationship He's not a distant God that we pray to and that maybe he'll hear us and maybe we'll have a relationship with him. No, the Bible is very clear. It says that he is our father, our heavenly father. And I think it's something we just need to just refocus on because if your dad is God, how many cool things do you get? Right? You know, the Bible says that we were bought with a price. For a price, a slave could be bought and traded, or they could be bought and freed. And today, because of Jesus, you've been freed. 
1 Corinthians 7, 22. For the one who was a slave, then called to faith by the Lord, is the Lord's freed person. 23, it says, you were bought with a price. We were all slaves. We were slaves to our sinful nature and we were slaves to fear. But because of Christ's death on the cross, our freedom was purchased so that we could become part of his family. So now we're not slaves to fear. We're not slaves to our sinful nature because the one who rules over it all lives in us. When we're children of God, we don't need to fear because we have assurance of life in eternity. So when it's saying, when it's talking about fear, it's talking about that fear of the unknown, that fear of, you know, what happens next? We don't have that fear anymore because we know. We know that because we are children of God, we are co-heirs with Christ and we are going to live eternally. If I could have the band come back up, that would be great. You know, in John chapter 1, 12 to 13, you know, the Bible actually talks, before I get into that, the Bible actually talks about us being children of God so many times. It's something that I think that we can miss sometimes, the power of being a child of God. We need to come to the realisation that our bloodline and our lineage is now of a heavenly one, not just an earthly one. In John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. You have the right this morning to call yourself a child of God. You have been made righteous. If you are a child of God, you are in right standing and you have been made righteous in God's eyes, not because of your own righteousness, but because of the righteousness that was placed on you through Jesus. You are now a child of God. It's pretty, pretty good stuff. It's pretty exciting. And it's something I think that we need to just continually look at because we can forget it. You're no longer a slave to the fear of uncertainty. As a child of God, you have the assurance of life eternal with him. Right now, you have claim to healing. You have claim to righteousness. You have claim to forgiveness. You have claim to grace. You can share in God's glory. You can claim power. And you can claim a sound mind. If you're having trouble this morning... If you're having worrying thoughts or anything like that in your mind, well, you can claim that sound mind because you're a child of God. You have the right to that inheritance. We have victory. We have victory in Jesus. It's time to, to stand up in our, our lineage, if you will, our right to become children of God. It's time to stand up in it. You know, the world will try and tell us who we are. 
people will try and tell you who you are and what you are, but it's time to start standing on the Word and stand on what the Word says we are. And the Word says that we are righteous and we are children of God this morning. It's time to stand on it, church. Come on. You are children. You are children of the Most High God and you are born to rule in this life. If you are the child of the King, you're born to rule. And is He not the King of Kings? Is He not the Lord of Lords? Then you are born to rule. You are a child of God. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to quickly pray. I just want to quickly pray. And then the band is going to play something for us this morning. The creative team. That's weird calling them a band. And, uh, and I really pray that it just it ministers to you guys. But I just want us to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you that we acknowledge that around Christmas time, you sent your son to be born of a woman, the word in flesh, to be sacrificed so that we could be in right standing with you. Your heart was to be with us and to adopt us into your family. Thank you, Lord, that because of that, we've been made righteous. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have equal claim to that inheritance. And we thank you, God, for the victory that you have given us and you will continue to give us, God. We thank you, Lord, that by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we have that evidence that we are children of God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.